Tracy here. Welcome to season two of the Essential Stepmom podcast. Unconventional advice and inspiration about the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why unconventional? Because statistics show that nearly three quarters of step families don't last more than five years. So the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo are all leading stepmoms straight for the gutter. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well, and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey. This season will feature interviews with some of the most interesting people I know, sharing their outside-the-box expertise as it applies specifically to step families. You're going to hear about modern Buddhism in step parenting, the stress around money in step parenting, new perspectives and insights about bio moms, how to deal with the prospect of never having a child of your own, coping with burnout and adrenal exhaustion, and using the challenges of step parenting to truly become that better version of yourself. At the risk of totally fangirling this woman, I have to tell you that I just devoured my second Brene Brown book in two weeks, and I can't wait for more. If you don't know her, please pause this podcast right now, unless you're driving a car, and Google her TEDx talk called The Power of Vulnerability, which is on their top 10 list of all-time must-see talks. The book I just finished is actually an audiobook by the same name, The Power of Vulnerability. It's not even an audiobook, really. It's a six-hour course on recognizing shame in ourselves and overcoming it so that it doesn't corrupt every single line of code in our personal software. I love listening to her because she's funny while being a rigorous researcher, and she's like a compassionate friend telling us with love just what we need to hear. Step parenting is such a high challenge situation. If you listen to my conversation with Christina Providence in episodes four and five of season one of this podcast, you might remember that was how she described a kind of XY axis with challenge running vertically and support running horizontally. Um, If you're in a high challenge situation, Support is the thing that moves you out of the stress quadrant into the growth quadrant. So as a stepmom, you might feel like you're in the hardest space you've ever been in, but that just means you need more good quality support than you needed before. You probably used to just talk with your girlfriends or your family or your partner about stuff. Now they either don't get it or they're too close to the problem to be able to help you. When, when it comes to the spiral of negative thoughts, you know, that hamster wheel of dress rehearsing the worst case scenario, it usually comes from not having enough information. It's so hard to understand what's going on in our step families, either with the kids or with bio mom or with our partners. It's really easy to make up a story for ourselves to explain what's going on. And usually, it's not at all what's really going on. As Brene Brown says, we should always at least ask ourselves, 
Do I have enough information yet to freak out about this? This is why I love telling stepmoms about things like the loyalty bind, because most of them were never able to see past the behavior of their stepkids and realize that the child is angry at herself or punishing himself for liking the stepmom too much. There's a piece of information that changes everything, doesn't it? Once you're inside a spiral of anxious negativity, it's really hard to get out because fear and anger are both things that totally hijack your limbic system. The blood can't even get past your emotional brain to your frontal cortex where the thinking happens. Brene Brown has a fantastic analogy for this that I love. She says that when emotion is behind the wheel of your truck, logic and reason are not riding shotgun. Logic and reason are hogtied in the back and emotion is driving like a bat out of hell. See why I love her? I know all about spiraling thoughts. I've been a superstar of mental catastrophe making. I have a great imagination and I'm a planner. One time, some years ago, I'll tell you this story. I was trying to reach my daughter in another city where she was going to university. I had just been away for a couple of weeks and I couldn't wait to talk to her when I got back. So I call her cell phone and I leave a message. A few hours later, I call again and and I send a text as well. When I don't hear back from her by the evening, I send an email and a Facebook message. I think, okay, should I panic? She's not a baby. She's been living on her own for years already. This is weird, but I guess I'll hear from her in the morning. The next day, nothing again. Now I'm thinking, how do I reach her roommates? I can't. Of course there's no house phone. I don't have their cell phone numbers. What would they think if she didn't come home at night? They probably wouldn't even notice because they're out all night too. These kids pass like ships in the night. Nobody expects to actually see anyone around there. It could be weeks before they would notice she's not around. And could they find me? Does anyone have my phone number or email? Where would they go if they were worried about her? What if she's lying behind a dumpster somewhere? What if she's been abducted? That happens, right? What if her mother is not even looking hard enough for her and she needs me? Would it be stupid to call the police? Yes, it's stupid. They can't even call her a missing person yet. Maybe she just has a new boyfriend that I don't know about. But then why isn't she answering any calls or texts? That doesn't make any sense. Let's see, who do I know in Montreal? Wait, she'll be embarrassed if I start asking people to go looking for her. Okay, are you laughing at me? I hope it's that kind of awkward laughter that means that you recognize something of this in yourself. You might be saying this is just typical overprotective mom stuff, but this is how it goes, right? You don't hang around saying, no point worrying. That won't help. Just relax. It's probably all going to turn out just fine. No, we pace the floors and wring our hands and use our imaginations that have been filled with images from books and movies. By the way, I eventually found a number for the university library where she had a student job. She had lost her phone and hadn't thought to check her computer for messages. Totally forgot I was coming home, had no idea I was looking for her. OMG, kids! So what about relationship drama? 
I'm so averse to confrontation that when I have a fight with my husband, something pretty rare, I'll admit, I easily start imagining what would happen if he moved out. Where will he live? Would he ever speak to me again? If we get divorced, will I ever see his kids again? Like, what if they wanted to see me? Would they call me without telling him? Let's see, could I send them cryptic messages over Facebook? I think you get the picture, right? I've gotten better about this over the years, but still, every once in a while, something just blindsides you and you wake up on a mental train that's traveled a thousand miles before you even notice that it had left the station. So I'm going to give you three great strategies for stepping right off that train or hamster wheel. And the first one is gratitude. I know this sounds like self-helpy, new agey, let's all just be grateful crap. But I have to tell you, I've watched this transform me and my family because that crazy vibrational alchemy really works every single time. And Brene Brown has done actual research on this, examining happy people and looking to identify specific qualities or practices they have that set them apart. Here's a quote from session four of The Power of Vulnerability. How many of you would like more joy in your life? And at the very same time, we're pushing it away. I've never in 12 years interviewed a single person who described themselves as joyful, their lives as joyous, or described the ability to lean into joy, who did not actively practice gratitude. Across the board, the one difference they had from the rest of us is that they actively practiced gratitude. She goes on to tell a funny story about the difference between having an attitude of gratitude and actually practicing gratitude. She lists all the yoga paraphernalia she has in her home, including all the yoga wear that she admits to pretty much living in. But this just qualifies her for having an attitude of yoga. She doesn't actually have a yoga practice, so it's not giving her anything but stretchy pants. She says that since she started just forcing herself to move into thoughts of gratitude when she's spiraling out of control with anxiety or anger, she's become a different person. She can actually harness so much power from this practice that she can tame the wild horses in her mind in a matter of minutes instead of losing hours whenever it happens. My mother happens to be someone who practices gratitude. I grew up surrounded with gratitude. I, I think I floated in amniotic fluid laced with gratitude. My mother's signature phrase is, aren't we the lux? She uses that constantly, especially at the cottage, either in front of a roaring fire or in the summertime next to the swimming pool. There's some backstory here and pardon the intended pun. My mom had serious back surgery at age 12 requiring her to endure a full body cast for nine months. Seriously, can you even imagine that? A plaster cast around her head, down her torso and one leg, nine months. And when it was done, they took x-rays and told her more or less right away that it didn't work and they were going to have to do it again. Yep. 
After taking a few years to work up her courage, she did do it again, and another nine months in the cast. And after all of that, you know what she was left with? Gratitude. Every single day is a gift for her. You know, if you're just upright and walking around, it's a gift. Taking a shower is a gift. Sitting on the toilet is a gift. I learned that from her, not because she told me that I should be grateful, but because she practiced feeling grateful. Even Oprah Winfrey swears by the practice of gratitude journaling. Here's what she says. I know for sure that appreciating whatever shows up for you in life changes your personal vibration. You radiate and generate more goodness for yourself when you're aware of all you have and not focusing on your have-nots. I've learned from experience that if you pull the lever of gratitude every day, you'll be amazed at the results. Now let me just say a word here about personal vibration and I'll assure you it's got nothing to do with adult toys. Gratitude is a high vibration emotion and vibration is the thing that's going to allow you to change your family energy. Eventually, they all have to resonate with you. They'll all align their frequency to yours. It just works that way. Higher frequencies purify the lower, crude, more toxic energies. It's just a law of nature. So if you're not already doing a gratitude journal on a daily basis, get on that and watch what happens to your happiness. Seriously, give yourself a rating right now. How happy do you feel? On a scale of 1 to 10, pick a number and write it down somewhere. Now, commit to doing a gratitude journal every day for two weeks. If you're scratching your head right now and wondering what the heck you're supposed to do, grab my free gratitude template at bit.ly slash 123gratitude. That's bit.ly, L-Y, bit.ly slash 123gratitude. Then use any blank notebook or journal and write five things you're grateful for. The trick to this is to really feel grateful. Don't just have an attitude of gratitude. Really feel into it. What does that feeling do to you? Do you get warm or feel lighter? Does anything pulsate or tingle? Just hang out in that feeling for a moment. My second tip is a way to turbocharge your gratitude practice. I learned this trick from Tara Wagner of xotara.us. Tara is a magician with essential oils. She's just so knowledgeable and she has a great free handout about using essential oils together with affirmations. Once again, you can get that from her at xotara.us. We're not going to do affirmations here, but the principle is the same. If you wear or diffuse a specific oil or combination of oils to enhance your gratitude practice, then any time you use that same oil, even without the gratitude practice, you'll zip right into that vibration because that's how smells work. They go straight into your brain and hijack your limbic system, but in a good way. You know how you can walk past a certain bakery and be instantly transported to your grandma's kitchen or someone is wearing cocoa butter in line at the grocery store and you actually feel your toes in the beach sand 
That's how much we're wired for smells. So we might as well take advantage of it and combine this with an intention to feel a high vibe emotion on a regular basis. Use any favorite essential oil that you love. I'm using bergamot right now, which is the oil of self-acceptance, together with citrus bliss, a kind of uplifting blend. The third technique is something that I learned from the field of touch for health that combines applied kinesiology with 2,500 years of wisdom from Chinese medicine. ESR, or emotional stress release, is a move that is so crazy simple, but it really works like magic. I'm going to try to do this with you now in real time. I don't know how this is going to work on a podcast, but we'll try it out. Use your fingertips to find the bony ridge on your forehead about halfway between your eyebrows and your hairline, just where your forehead is a little bit prominent there. You can use the fingertips of both hands to touch lightly there, or just lay one palm across your forehead as if you were checking yourself for a fever. Use very, very light pressure, really no pressure at all, as if you're pressing on your eyelids, for instance. Now, close your eyes. Again, please don't do this if you're driving. You can do this again later. Close your eyes and think of the situation that's causing you to freak out. Play it for yourself like a movie, just about 20 seconds long. Play it in color, with sound, and especially with feeling. Now go ahead and play the movie again, that terrible situation. Whoever said something to you or embarrassed you, worried you, whatever it was. Now, play that movie again and write a new ending. Make it come out the way you want. Make the perfect ending, the ideal resolution. Really hear it and see it and smell it if you can. The same story, but with a really good ending. And you can replay it again with this nice ending if you like. Now take a deep breath and open your eyes. Go on, tell me you're not feeling better already. So this is something you can do for yourself anytime. Excuse yourself and spend two minutes in the bathroom if you have to, but you can really do this anywhere. So there you have it, three techniques that I promise will fast track your personal happiness and bring your family along for the ride. And I didn't even talk about the power that a regular meditation practice has given me to uplevel my own happiness or the absolute magic of EFT tapping, which I use with clients all the time to get them over some or other obstacle to happiness. You don't have to wait to be happy. I know I'm always talking about how you have to be patient because it can take so long for your step family to settle in, for the kids to relate to you, for bio mom to calm down and stop trying to ruin your life. 
Yes, it's true. Those things take a long time. But you don't have to wait for your life circumstances to be perfect so that you can be happy. You have lots to be happy about right this minute. And the more that you're aware of that, the faster the other stuff will line up for you. If you're listening to this in the week I'm recording it, which is February 18th, we're doing a gratitude challenge together in the Spectacular Stepmom Facebook group. Just pop into the group and look for the daily prompt. And if you'd like to join us, just comment, I'm in, and I'll add your name to tag you each day as a reminder. And then we'll all know that we have company as we do our journaling. I hope to see you there. And have I said how grateful I am to those of you who I've heard from by email or through Messenger or even in the Facebook group? You totally make my day every single time. It makes me so happy to know that sharing my experience and whatever I've learned from my own incredibly generous stepkids is helping other families to overcome their own unique challenges. I want to make sure that you know that you can access a free 20-minute strategy session with me by phone or video chat anytime. You can find the link to book that in the show notes for this episode, and I hope you'll take me up on it. And if you feel like you're ready for real one-on-one support, I offer that too. Book a 20-minute call, and we can talk about how I work and whether I'm really the right mentor for you. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. That's the very best way you can help other high-performing, alternative-thinking stepmoms to stumble onto this show and discover a community of like-minded listeners around the world. According to Anchor FM, the platform I'm recording on, we're being heard now in 36 countries. I find that really exciting. If you're a social media kind of person, you're welcome to join my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. If you'd rather just get a more intimate weekly email from me, send me a message with the subject weekly email to info at essentialstepmom.com. Finally, I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here 